0: Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. Thank you so much for stopping by. I'm Pastor Carl McLaughlin from Calvary Pentecostal Church in Euless, Texas. We're located in dallas fort Worth, where 8 million call DFW home. Whether you're tuning in to Sunday or Wednesday's message, we pray that you will find words of encouragement. It is our mission to provide a positive and encouraging voice in the midst of uncertainty. I pray that you will be blessed by today's episode.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. We are so, so happy you've decided to listen today. This Sunday, we heard from Dr. Is he a doctor? Hold on. So sorry, Jacob. I think I'm just going to say Brother Hughes instead of Doctor. Okay, here we go. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. We are so, so happy you've decided to listen today. This Sunday, we heard from Brother Hughes. He spoke a message entitled The Gift of the Holy Ghost. It was such an encouraging and such a powerful word we heard. We hope you're encouraged. Okay, let's try again. If this next one, if you think this first one is better than this next one, you can use the first one, okay? Here we go. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. We are so, uh, so sorry. Okay, let's try again. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Upper Room Podcast. We are so, so happy you've decided to listen today. This Sunday, we heard from Brother Hughes. He spoke a message entitled The Gift of the Holy Ghost. It was such a powerful word. We hope you're encouraged today. Okay, I liked that one the best. So if you can, use the last one, and that would be awesome.
0: We are walking through six foundations on which to build, or six foundations to build on, however you prefer to say that, and we're on five. We're on the fifth character quality, and the fifth character quality is submission, is submission. The competency that follows behind this character quality is alignment, spiritual alignment, and tonight, I want to explore and I would like to cover this term, submission. It is a character quality that if you and I are even going to begin to lead ourselves well in the kingdom of God, we have to learn this principle of submission. Submission. No way to escape it. You just have to choose what authority in your life you're going to submit to. Is it going to be godly authority or will it be satanic authority? Either way, we're all going to submit to authority in our lives. And so with that, I would like to read from James chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. It says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. There is definitely a fundamental problem when people are trying to resist the devil without true submission to God first. It will be a losing battle if you try to resist the devil and you're still in rebellion to God. Once you submit to God, you are in a posture and a position that 10,000 devils cannot stop one saint of God who is living in submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. Thus James says, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, purify your hearts, you double-minded. And so tonight we're going to talk about this term, submission. This is what I would like to say at the onset. Submission is not suppression. Submission is empowerment. Think about it. Think about it. In the garden, in the garden, God said, don't eat of that tree. There's the rule. We all have rules that we have to submit to. He said, but when you obey me and submit to my word, you get the entire garden. You plant a seed. It's not just going addition isn't going to take that seed. Multiplication is going to take that seed when your life is in submission. So submission was not suppressing Adam and Eve. Submission to the Lord was empowering Adam and Eve to enjoy the entire garden. Problem is that the serpent came slithering through the garden and said, your God is trying to suppress you and make you live by a bunch of rules. And all of a sudden they got tunnel vision and they're saying, yeah, why is God depriving me? Why is God depriving me? Why do I have to submit to him? He's trying to suppress us. And what they failed to recognize is that when they lost their submission, they also lost their power to enjoy the rest of the garden. If you want the blessings of the garden, you've got to submit to the rule of God and stay away from the one tree. If you want that one tree, you better enjoy that one tree because you just forfeited the rest of the garden. There are certain things you never have access to when you don't submit to God. But when you submit to him, he opens up doors and you have access to the garden. And God multiplies things in your life by virtue of this principle called submission. Submission is not suppression. Submission is empowerment. Can we pray together before I begin? God, I love you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your mighty hand tonight. I pray, Lord, for understanding. I pray, God, for your word, that your word would be broken open and that we would have a spiritual understanding of this concept that you epitomized, submission. Thank you for the cross of Calvary and the perfect picture of submission. Oh, God of heaven, where the flesh is crucified, but the spirit comes alive. We love you, Lord, and we give you praise tonight. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. You know, we have all experienced that feeling of being let down. <clears throat> when our hearts were set on something, only to find out that the something was out of order. You, you've walked up to a Coke machine, and it's out of order when you wanted a Coke to drink. You have walked up to the snack bar, and there was something that you wanted there, but the machine was out of order you know it's like the Titan roller coaster at Six Flags. Man, you and your friends talk about it before you get there. When you're in the parking lot, you're getting out of the car and you're talking about all the rides, but then that conversation comes back around to the Titan. And when you get on that Titan and you just click, 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 and you're looking out over all of Dallas, Fort Worth, and you're going, oh my Lord, who talked me into getting on this thing? And then all of a sudden your neighbor elbows you and says, get your hands in the air. And you throw your hands in the air. And before you even peek and start going down, you grab back hold of that. And they're like, get your hands up, get your hands up. Uh-uh, I just want to survive this bad boy. And so you're just getting excited about the ride. You, 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 you and your friends are scampering to get to the ride. And as you approach the ride, you look up and for a moment you get excited because there's no line there. And as you near it, you go, wait a minute, this is one of the most popular roller coasters, the Titan, and there's no line. Ha, God, answer, I'm living in the favor of God. And then all of a sudden you realize that's not normal for there not to be one soul in line. And as you near you see them standing there, the Six Flags workers. You know, it's like, how come they can't go? Hey, hey, how are you doing? It's like, like the military, like you broke the law, you've broken the law. And you walk up, and all of a sudden, you see the sign temporarily closed. It's not in working order, it's out of order. The rest of the day, the talk that night revolves around the fact that you did not get to ride your favorite roller coaster at Six Flags. Everything in the park and everything that day is affected by one ride being out of order. Far from a theme park is the kingdom of God. However, believe it or not, There are some similarities when someone is out of divine order. So let's talk about our first point tonight, submission and divine order. When one person, when one person in a church is living out of order, and other people depend on that person to just be there and be open for the will of God, and they're not. There is a major letdown that's experienced you know if you've been on any kind of ministry and all of a sudden that individual starts backsliding or they go haywire and they're out of order or they they decline and decline and decline and for some reason they start backing up and all of a sudden the entire church feels that one ride in the theme park that's out of order and the rest of the day is affected by it when a person is not living in submission to the Lord and they are rendered out of order or they're living a life of disorder everybody in the family everybody in the church feels this feeling of being out of order we're talking about submission according to Thayer's Greek lexicon the word submit means to place in order or to place under in an orderly fashion So submission is to be in working order. Submission is to be under the authority of God and working in an orderly fashion. You can have a young person who is absolutely powerful when they are under the authority of their parents and they are under a pastoral covering and they are under the power of God. That 12-year-old, that 13-year-old, that 14-year-old. You just take David, for example, at 17 years of age. He's defeating lions, bears, and giants. Why? Because he was living in submission to the Lord, but he could not conquer Bathsheba because he was out of order. Order, and when one man got out of order, the entire kingdom was split north and south. It pays to be in order and under submission to the headship of Jesus Christ. Come on Calvary Pentecostal church and every saint of God, the church is relying on you just to get here. The church, is rely- the church looks around and says we're so and so and we all feel out of kilter when you're not here but when you're in the house of God, when you're submitted to Jesus Christ, Can I tell you something? Church does not suppress you. Church empowers you. It's the devil that wants you to believe you're suppressed. God is not depriving you of anything. The devil wants to rob you of the rest of the garden. I made up my mind when I got in the church 32 years ago. I'm going to enjoy the rest of the garden. I'm gonna live in submission to divine order. And you're not gonna have to wonder, is Brother McLaughlin in working order? Is he out of order? What's his pastoral do? I'm just telling you, I am planted, I'm firm, I'm under the headship of Jesus Christ, and we're going to see the power of God because we're a church under orderly fashion. Can we clap our hands to him and give him praise? Submission is gonna give you power. Submission gives you access to certain things you would not otherwise experience. (laughs) Submission is when everyone is in their proper place and all are working together in an orderly fashion to accomplish the will of God. Submission to the will of God does not, and I think we know this if we've been in the church for five minutes does not mean a pain-free life, where accommodations are made by God for our personal comfort. In fact, the opposite is normally true. The will of God is normally accompanied by people who are for you, but simultaneously people that are against you. Get used to it. When you're walking in the will of God and you're submitted to the headship of Jesus Christ, You will live a life where there is demonic resistance and there is heavenly angelic strength at the same time. So whatever your concept has been up to this point, well, you know, d- the devil is really working against me and I'm feeling so much spiritual resistance. Probably true, but don't ever forget that simultaneously there is an angelic presence that will show up and give the church strength. Let's not be a doom and gloom church that says, oh, he's just resisting me and the devil's having a heyday and the devil's winning. He may be fighting, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You got to make up your mind if he's for me, who can be against me. I'm going to live submitted and by virtue of my submission, I have power and authority over him. I'm not giving him the time of day. I'm not pulling up a chair to converse with him. I'll rebuke him and put him in his place. And I'll live in my place under the order and the headship of Jesus Christ. The will of God. We see it. Being played out in Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, the Garden of Gethsemane, which means olive press. It was a place where they would take the olives. Well, is olive oil. You don't just walk up to the tree and pull oil off. You don't just take a branch. Take that branch like a gas nozzle got the oil for church. Wish it was that easy. <laughs> Wish it was that easy. Not that easy. What happens? Someone's got to walk up to that tree and they have these long sticks. They're called staffs. And, and when, the olive, when the olives are ripe, they will take that, that staff and they will shake the branches. So that when they shake the branches, the olives will fall to the ground. And then they collect the, the substance, the solid. And they'll take it and then they will take it to an olive press. Where there's something, an instrument that will grind it and grind it and grind it. Until you get the oil. You don't get the oil until it goes through the process. And so we're seeing the will of God has a process. If you want the oil and you want the power, you got to be willing to be ground to nothing. Thing. You got to be willing to go through a process. You got to be willing for people to shake you You got to be willing to your life is going to get shaken up You're gonna feel like you're falling to the ground. You're misunderstood and you're forgotten You might be right in the middle of the will of God when that's happening and you and I must learn to submit to the Process if we want the oil of joy for our mourning and our weeping can we cup our hands to him? Come on. He'll shake your tree He'll step on you. He'll make sure somebody's stepping on you. He'll make sure you feel mistreated so that when you get to the oil, you can say, It was worth it, and I don't ever want to go through that again. I'll submit to you, Lord. It's the olive press. The olives have to submit. Surely we have to submit. Jesus submits to the will of God despite what the flesh wanted. And we hear him in in the garden in Luke chapter 22, verse 42 through 44. Father, this is the flesh talking spirit. Father, if thou be willing, watch, watch. While the term submission or submit is not here, read the context and read the spirit of the Bible. Read what's happening and listen to the way submission comes out of every word. Watch this. Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. I don't want to submit to its content. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Watch this. And there appeared what to him? Mm -hmm. You see that? In the middle of an olive press. In the middle of feeling spiritual resistance. In the middle of misunderstanding life. All of a sudden an angelic being shows up. And the Bible says, and there appeared an angel unto him from heaven strengthening him. That means even in the middle of the will of God, you're going to feel extremely weak at times. And you can't muster up enough energy to just keep pushing forward. And God said, that's where, right where I want them. They need to understand when they're submitted to me, I can call. They have access to angelic beings. And I will employ all of heaven to go right to where they are and provide strength for them. I'm just telling somebody tonight, you're not alone. If you're living undercover, if you are living submitted to God, God can call Michael the archangel and say, hey, I need you to go fight for them. God can summons Gabriel and say, hey, I need you to send a message to them. God can do whatever he wants to. But when you are submitted to the will of God, all of a sudden angels and the supernatural realm shows up for you. Oh, my Lord in heaven, I want to live a submitted life. You would think that when the angel strengthened him, he would remove the agony. He didn't. He said, I need your flesh to feel this. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Even after the angelic appearance and the strength from the supernatural, he still had to deal with some agonizing issues. And he still had to learn how to pray in the will of God. And his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Notice in all of the Gospels, Luke is the only Gospel writer who mentions sweat... Like great drops of blood falling to the ground. The other gospel writers don't mention that. Luke is a physician. Luke is a doctor. He's looking at it through the lens of his medical profession. And he's looking at this agonizing prayer. And he says Jesus in his flesh is sweating. He's in such emotional duress and anxiety and stress and suffering. That when he's praying that there there is this this bloody sweat that's literally coming out of his body. According to the Bible exposition commentary, there is a rare physical phenomenon known as hematidrosis. Under great emotional stress, the tiny blood vessels rupture in the sweat glands and produce a mixture of blood and sweat. It was very likely that submission to the will of God brought about such pressure and stress that Jesus bled through a season of submission. We must underscore the fact that the will of God did not remove pain from the life of Jesus. God in flesh Jesus Christ could have removed all pain and suffering but he wanted to be tempted in all points like as we yet without sin so that he could both sympathize and empathize while remaining differentiated uh, he can reach in he's not in there with he reaches in and he pulls you out of the agony because he overcame the agony When you live submitted to him, he reaches in and he pulls you out of things that you cannot get yourself out of. Submission is not suppression. Submission is empowerment. And when you live submitted to him, you have power. Oh, can we give him praise tonight? Can we give him praise in this house tonight? We know that Jesus was, according to Hebrews 4.15, in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. According to Wildward, and according to a little blurb that Jeff McGee sent me that I thought was so powerful from uh, Wildward, existing in Jesus Christ were temptability and incapability at the same time. He could be tempted to sin, Yes, because he was 100% man. But at the same time of being temptable... He was incapable of sinning because he was 100% God and God cannot sin. The only way that the God-man could have sinned is if he would have lessened his position of deity. But he never lessened his position of deity nor did he lessen himself as a human being. So while temptability was in him he was incapable of committing sin because God cannot sin. That's why he can go through it and remain sinless, spotless let me say it this way take a match throw it in gunpowder it explodes because it's combustible take a match throw it in water the match is extinguished because it cannot explode in water that's the god man the difference between you and i we're tempted and we sin because we are like gunpowder. and when sin is thrown at us it ignites something in us and we are going to sin at some point we have not reached the place of perfection but when sin was thrown at him like water He put it out and he is incapable of sinning. That's the kind of God that I am. He was not hanging on by the skin of his teeth and almost committing sin. He felt it deeply, but he overcame it profoundly. Oh God, we need to give him praise. Yes, he's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. He's a mighty God. The first Adam disobeyed the Father and sinned in a garden and was condemned to live by the sweat of his brow. Genesis 3.19 Jesus, the last Adam, obeyed the Father in a garden and by bloody sweat conquered Adam's sin. A life of divine order and remaining in the right place at the right time. Not only resolved past issues, but provided salvation for all people at all times forever. This is the last Adam, the Lord from heaven. He did this. wasn't irony. It was the will of God that he went back to a garden. And restored everything that was lost in the first garden. And where Adam, the first Adam, sinned. And because of one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. After the, even though we haven't sinned, after the similitude and the likeness of Adam, he said because of federal headship, because that sin is passed down and transferred, we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Thus, the last Adam, the Lord from heaven, steps into another garden. And by the sweat of his brow... He goes to work for the plan of salvation and he said I'm about to pull humanity out of that condemnation. That's why Paul said in Romans 8, 1 there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Being in him means submitted to him. When you and I are submitted to him no more condemnation. No more guilt. We are free and whom the Son has set free is free in me. I said submission is not suppression. Submission is empowerment over sin and shame. Oh, let's praise him together. Let's praise him together. I'll say it again. I'll beat the drum. I'll echo it from the heavens. Submission is not suppression. Submission is empowerment. An angel appears and he empowers the human side of Jesus. Dr. George Morrison said, and I quote, Every life has its Gethsemane and every Gethsemane has its angel. If submission empowers, rebellion weakens. You will not gain power backsliding and rebelling against God. Submission strengthens, rebellion weakens. You will be weakened to a crumble and a fragment of what you thought you would become. That's why when people backslide, they come back broken and undone, saying, I should have never left the church. And what do they wanna do? They wanna submit to God. They say, pastor, just preach to me. Please preach to me. Tell me if you see me straying. tell me. What are they saying? I learned from pain out there. I don't ever wanna repeat that sin again. And I just want to live in submission. I just want to be empowered to overcome all of the pain that's out there. God, I want to be in submission to you. All was fine. All was fine in heaven until Lucifer was out of order. And he lost heaven. He lost his place. A lack of submission in heaven before sin was even there. But iniquity was found in him. And he chose. A lack of submission interrupted the function and the power of worship in heaven. Think about that. Think about worship and praise. It's not that we have a talented group. We need a submitted group. Because a talented group can still lack submission and we can interrupt the anointed flow and function of worship where heaven needs to kiss earth and we recognize we may be fighting hell but we've come to church and all of heaven has manifested itself in this place because the worship leaders and the praise singers are living a submitted life. And so James provides insight into defeating the devil. Submit. You want to win this spiritual battle? Okay, let me write volumes and volumes and volumes and volumes of book. And it's going to take you 15 years to figure this thing out. And you're going to have to go through multiple educational processes. No, 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 no. One word. You want to defeat the devil? Submit. Submit. Your life will not be complete until you submit. You know when you're filling something out online? You can do all that work and you get down to the bottom and what does that one little word say? When you're transferring money over from one bank account to another bank account, and you wanna make sure that there's money in there and you, you go through all the process, and then all of a sudden that's that one little word. What's that word? Submit. And when you click submit, transactions start going into action and things start happening. I'm just telling you, This is what James said. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. When we submit to God, we can resist all satanic power. And when we resist all satanic power, we can rest peacefully. Knowing our submission causes him to flee. We submit We resist him and he must flee. Disorder causes a shutdown or at least a shutdown in certain people's lives. You know, let's go back to our introduction. It's kind of like walking through the theme park and looking up and going, oh no, it's out of order. Oh man, when we fail to submit, the whole process of our life is out of order and you have to work really, really, really hard. To try to make anything work. But when you're in the will of God, one of the best ways I heard it explained was this when you're in the will of God, okay, so here's the deal. If you've never driven a vehicle without power steering, you will not understand this illustration. But if you've ever had a car that had a transmission leak or a power steering leak, and that power steering fluid was pouring out like the Niagara Falls. And you had a hose running into it and a 55 gallon drum just, as you're driving down, no, not really. When that power steering, and you know how it is, man, it's like, oh, green light, and you start turning, and then all of a sudden, because you don't have enough power steering, it's like, oh, it locks up on you. And you're like, and as soon as you, and then all of a sudden, man, Yeah, experience. <laughs> Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. Here's the deal. In the will of God, you know, you know what I'm talking about. You go out and test drive a vehicle, some of your cars, some some of us are driving such nice vehicles. You know what you do when you turn? Now, you don't even have to parallel park. You're in. You're in. But when you're out of the will of God, man, that power steering pump is dry. And you know, every little bitty decision, every little bitty thing, and it's like, oh, this is hard, it's so hard. All you have to do is get back in the will of God. And God says, just turn the wheel and let's go forward together. Get in the middle of the will of God. When you and I are in submission to him, we may have to deal with potholes in the road. We may have to deal with speed bumps in the road, but I'm just telling you the vehicle that we're driving, God says, I'm gonna help you here. I'm gonna help you here. It's living in submission to Jesus Christ. Oh, can we give him praise? I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I don't ever want to have to drive that kind of car again. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I told y'all that story about Jenna. I don't know, she had ridden with someone who was driving an older vehicle. And she came home, she was a little girl. She came home and she said, dad, I said, what sweetheart? Said, I rode in the coolest car today. I said, are you serious? What, what kind of car was it? Said, I don't know what kind of car it was, but when you wanted to roll the windows down, you had to do this. <laughs> I said, baby, when you get 16, I will buy you the coolest car in the world, and you'll be able to do this anytime you want. <laughs> To have power over the devil, we must live under the headship of Jesus Christ. To resist the devil without submitting to God will cause him to stay around, not flee. And like a magnet, rebellion attracts demonic activity and will invite seven other spirits to visit you wherever you are. Marriage gives us an example of empowerment through submission. Biblical marriage emphasizes union and harmony through diversity. Both Both man and woman were created in God's image, and it tells us, because they were both created in God's image, it tells us that there was equality in creation, but diversity in function. Eve was created to empower Adam, not be suppressed by Adam. Adam was incomplete and he needed a help meet. He didn't have enough power and God said, "I want to empower you, so I am going to create a woman to bring her into your life and she will empower you, but you just need to make sure that you don't suppress what I've brought into your life that would ultimately empower you." And so suppression was not or excuse me, submission was not suppression. It is empowerment from the beginning forward. If Adam suppresses Eve in any way husbands, listen up. So I'm not Dr. Hughes, I'm not doing the marriage retreat, but I will throw this in for free. If Adam suppresses Eve in any way he is working against the creative purpose of God. Because Eve was not created to be suppressed. Eve was created to function complete, Adam, and empower the two of them as a one-flesh couple. If a couple married in Christianity under the headship of Jesus Christ as one flesh is not empowered to accomplish things exponentially more than you would individually, somewhere there's some suppression going on, or there's a lack of submission to Jesus Christ and his will for your life. Because when both husband and wife are submitted as one flesh, look out. Hell's not going to stop them. They are going to do some very powerful things together in the kingdom of God. You with me? Through Eve's submission to Adam, she was accomplishing God's will. And Adam was empowered to be something that he could not be on his own. Adam was the head of Eve. And Eve was the empowering factor in Adam's life. Both Adam and Eve had to live in submission to the Lord. Headship is not dictatorship. Headship is servanthood. Adam was to serve her, not rule over her as a dictator. A man operates best when he is a carrier of God's glory to serve his bride. And the bride brings glory to the groom. 1 Corinthians 11. Thus, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 11, it was more more than just a hair issue and cut and uncut hair. It was talking about divine order and submission to divine order. Man was under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Woman was under the headship of man. The Bible said that man bears the glory of God, but woman bears the glory of the man. But when you put these two together and man is in submission to his Lord, Jesus Christ, woman is in submission to her husband, you put them together and there is a power to bring glory into the world that's why a Christian marriage should be the greatest evangelistic tool in the world they bring power on earth hallelujah Amen. husbands and wives you ought to be infused with a brand new purpose come on dads you got to get under the lordship of Jesus Christ ladies submission is not suppression it is empowerment and you bring things into that man's life that he could never be without you Gentlemen, we need to be very thankful for our wives. Wives, appreciate, honor, and respect that man of God as he is under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Can we give the Lord praise? Secondly, submission is resignation. And just in case you're worrying, I only have two points. I didn't even do three. This is it. This is it. This is it. So, point number two this is it. I'm not, don't, don't, don't get afraid. I'm not going to three. There is no three, it's just a long two. <laughs> oh, time out. I need a drink of water. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Y'all ought to be in my shoes right now, man. It's like you get like 15 different looks on a statement like that. It's like, oh God, I shouldn't have said that. Submission is resignation. Have you resigned yourself to doing the will of God for the rest of your life? If you have not, you will have to live off the next. week. let me just rush through this. Yeah, go ahead, preacher. Hold on. Submission is resignation. Question. Have you resigned yourself to doing the will of God for the rest of your life? If he asks you to do something you thought you would never do, or even maybe not want to do, and it's out of your comfort zone, have you resigned to him and his will? If you have not, you will live a life of restlessness. You will have to live off of the next gig, the next high, the next big event, the next conference, the next seeing your name written by an airplane in the sky. When there's an inner resignation, living in the room, claustrophobic room of Elijah and pouring water over Elijah's hands will be more satisfying than calling fire down from heaven because you're in the will of God and you have resigned that if the will of God is living in a room and washing Elijah's hands that's more satisfying to me than standing on Mount Carmel and watching all the prophets of Baal be defeated in fire falling from heaven because if I'm out of the will of God doing that there will be such an inner discontentment but if I'm in the will of God in the room man this feels so good being in the will of God oh this feels don't have destination disease. I'm not looking for the next destination. The grass is greener over there. Well, yeah, take your lawn mower because the grass has to be mowed over there too. And there's stickers over there. There could be mosquitoes over there. Red bugs. (laughs) When I was in my 20s, I worked for the youth committee—I say worked for—was privileged to serve on the youth committee in the Texas district. Well, Nathan Scoggins, Nathan Scoggins was the youth president at that time, and Nathan Scoggins, at that time, there were like eight hundred or nine hundred campers both weeks, like each week, like it was massive. It was massive, massive youth camp. Well, Nathan Scoggins' kids on the last night, teenagers always got it in their mind that they were going to run, and the whole talk the whole week was, "You're going to run Friday," and and their and their logic was so illogical their logic was well you know what what are they going to do it's Friday night man we're going to run we're going to jump the fence we're going to go do whatever we want to do what are they going to do kick us out we're going home in the morning that was that was the teenage thinking it's like no dude you're not coming back next year or the year after that or the year after that <laughs> got you and so Scoggs he was trying to figure out a way to keep those kids from running and campers you go out in those woods, there's red bugs out there. Well, depending on the age, right there, if that's a little 11-year-old that's still really maturity-wise as an 8-year-old, they're going to the payphone because back then we didn't have cell phones, and they're calling mom. Mom, there's red bugs in Lufkin. Come pick me up. And I have no idea how I'm swinging that one around. <laughs> I just remembered the story and I just, I could see. <laughs> no, hey, some of you that went to Action Hour, you know what I'm talking about. Scoggins would get up there, man, he put the fear of God in you. He got, he's got the, and he, when he prayed, he just paced back and forth. <clears throat> Brother McLaughlin, they're ready. I don't want them. Whatever it is, I don't want them. <laughs> so this absolutely wreck of a transition before Elisha received a double portion of the anointing. <laughs> I know you jokers are like, how's he going to pull this one around? I know what y'all are thinking over there. Keith, don't you say a word. Don't you be texting anybody right now. McLaughlin blew it, man. Pastor blew it on that one. I know how you jokers are working. The rest of you, it's okay to smile and laugh. We're having fun tonight. It's okay. It's okay. Before Elisha received a double portion of the anointing, he had to learn to live in the room of Elijah. God anointed three men to assist Elijah in the work. Haziel to be king in Syria. Jehu to be king in Israel. Elisha. I mean, you got Syria. You got Israel. Hey, by the way, Elisha, I anointed you to go to the room. Go to the room of Elijah. According to Strong's Greek Hebrew Dictionary, the word for room, this is what it means. Beneath, under, bottom, Below, underneath, sweetness, subjection. Go to the room and you're going to learn submission. And you need to turn your submission into a sweet attitude by living beneath and being in subjection. Further, in Brown, Driver, Briggs' dictionary, it means the place in which one stands. Submission more than any other character will teach you how to stand firm and do the will of God. And God sends you to your room to learn these lessons. It puts you in timeout. Elisha's submission was a critical characteristic. Watch this that led to a double portion of blessing. We all want the double portion. We want to be blessed doubly. Well, the only way to get the double portion is to live in submission, because submission was not suppression in the room, submission was empowerment to lead him to a double portion of blessing. Resignation implies giving up our understanding. Resignation implies giving up our self-will. Resignation implies giving up our affection for the things that we love and surrendering. Surrendering to what? God's perfection, God's promise, God's purpose, and God's correction. When we live a life of submission, we resist making God try to prove himself or perform for us and pull rabbits out of a hat before we say we'll truly submit to you. It's told in Hebrews 5 and 8 that Christ learned obedience through what he suffered. There's only some things we learn through suffering. If any of you are in the school of suffering right now, and you misunderstand life, and you're living in subjection to things, God's teaching you some things that you can only learn through suffering. Suffering teaches us obedience, and it also teaches us a lot about ourselves. Because you don't know much about yourself until you hit your finger with a hammer. You don't know much about yourself until someone makes you very angry. And then all of a sudden something comes out of you that you didn't even know was living inside of you. Suffering has a way of teaching us about ourselves. Resignation is trusting God's perfection, promises, purpose, and corrections. So let's look at this together. The perfection of God. Have we resigned to the fact that God is perfect and he does not make mistakes and we are content living in submission with his will. He is perfect. Deuteronomy 32.4. He is the rock. His work is perfect for all his ways are justice, a God of truth and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. The description of God given in these verses contrasts strongly with the following description of the people of God. He is the rock. This is what we need to get. When you say, I'm going to submit to him, this is what you get when you resign to his will. He is the rock, which means he is stable and he is permanent. And when life is chaotic, if we will just submit to him, God is perfect and he's going to take care of everything. And though it may be crazy on the outside, when we have a characteristic of submission, we're comfortable on the inside because God is stable and God is permanent and we know that all things work together for good to those who are called by God who love him and he has a predetermined plan for them. The only stability in life is in submitting to him, the great rock. His works, Deuteronomy said, are those, those are his actions. His work is perfect. What's he working in your life right now? Are you complaining about something right now? Because if you're in the will of God, And you can emphatically say, I am in the will of God. And you're complaining about something right now. Then you don't really believe his work is perfect. Because when you believe he's perfect, that means his actions and the way that he works. Listen to me. The will of God goes through the hands of people. People may mistreat you. But if God can use... Potiphar, and if God can use Joseph's brothers, and if God can use Judas, and if God can use the Roman soldiers, then God can use people that seemingly feel like it's working against the will of God to bring about the will of God. God is perfect, and we get his perfection when we submit to him. The promises of God, Hebrews 8 and 6. But now he hath obtained a more excellent ministry by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant which was established upon what kind of promises? What does it say? Hebrews chapter 8, 6. Watch this. More excellent ministry, better covenant, better promises. When you're in submission to his covenant plan. New covenant. When you open up your Bible and you're reading Old Testament, that's Old Covenant. When you go to New Testament, that's New Covenant. So what we're talking about here is a comparison between the Mosaic Law and the New Covenant. And what he's saying is that God became flesh. He is the mediator, and by virtue of this God who became flesh, he mediates. He goes between you uh, and whatever you're going through for what reason? He's given us a better covenant, and he has given us better promises. I want to point something out to you here. Because oftentimes in our human role, we think that better promises promises ...is to accommodate us and make us feel better... ...and make our life better. That, that does happen by virtue of God's promises... ...but that's not the primary purpose for this covenant promise. I want you to look at what the covenant promise is... ...so that when we're in submission... ...we know how to behave in the will of God. The new covenant, the New Testament plan of salvation... ...contains better promises than the old covenant... ...which was under the law of Moses. The new covenant is God's appointed vehicle... For fulfilling the Abrahamic blessings to Israel. Not only to Israel, but to the whole world. The Abrahamic covenant also promised universal blessing. This passage is not about us being blessed as much as it is about being a blessing to others through God's promise. So ask yourself a question. If God brings a blessing into my life through his promises, am I taking this and holding it on to myself or do I believe that I am a New Testament extension of the Abrahamic covenant found in Genesis chapter 12 and 13 that said through one seed and that is Jesus Christ, all of the world will be blessed through that one seed. That's why the New Testament is a better covenant because God became flesh, submitted to the cross so that he could then give us the Holy Ghost Holy Ghost is inside of us he blesses us with promises not to hold on for ourselves but so that the whole world may know Jesus Christ when you and I are in submission we're gonna go out and teach Bible studies when you and I are in submission we're gonna help other churches have revival when you and I are in submission and we resign to the will of God we're gonna go help revitalize little church plants huh? and whole missions churches that may have been existence for 30 years, but they're, but they're falling and they're floundering around. When you and I are in submission to the promises and perfection of God, we recognize we're tied to Abraham, but we're also tied to eternity. So any promise that comes into my life, I am to distribute or redistribute a portion of that back to this world so they can be blessed through my blessing. You want to dry up church? Keep everything in your pocket and never share, never bless anybody else. You want to be a church full of nostalgia? that we have to worship our past more than excited about our future, quit giving your blessing and quit giving your promise. But if you want a bright future, if you want to pack this place out, if you want to knock these walls down, if you want to build again, if you want to build a family life center, when the promise comes to you, it's for the purpose of evangelizing the lost. God blesses us so that we are a blessing to other people. Can I get an amen? This word submission does not suppress, submission blesses you to empower you to have revival and evangelize the lost. Can we clap our hands and give him praise? We need to distribute the blessing, don't hold on to it. God saved us and filled us with the Holy Ghost to bless other people. The purpose of God You can stand. You can remain standing. So we've talked about the perfection of God, the promise of God, the purpose of God. Ruth chapter 2, verse 16, And let fall also some handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them in the field, that she may glean them, and whatever you do, don't you dare rebuke her. Don't you dare hinder her when she's walking through the field, finding her purpose. Boaz said, leave her alone. God has purpose for her. Ruth entered the field, and Boaz ordered his workers to do more than let her glean among them. In addition, they were to deliberately, deliberately drop handfuls of stalks of barley in her path so that she would have an abundance of provision. He said, man, you're going to have so much of a harvest, Men, Make sure on purpose drop stalks of barley because there's a a little lady named Ruth that's going to be walking through the fields. And she may not see anything in the field right now, but as you go through, just make sure you drop it because I have handfuls of purpose for her. And when she starts picking it up, I don't want you rationing it. I don't want you saying she has too much. When she starts collecting it all, I want her not to just have a provision. I want her to have an abundance of provision. And as she is bringing that in, and you look at her, and she's got, she's just, she's walking out of that field. She walked in empty-handed, and she's walking out of that field so blessed by God. Don't you dare rebuke her, and don't you dare hinder her, and say, "Well, you need to leave some back in that field." Ha! Uh-uh. I have handfuls of purpose for her. When you submit to God, you get His perfection. You get His promise. You get his purpose. And finally, the greatest of all these, you get his correction. Yeah, what? Man, I want the purpose. I want the blessing. I want the promise. I don't want him to spank me. I don't want him to correct me. Do you realize what you're saying? Then you're saying you want to be an illegitimate child. According to to the book of Hebrews, what you're saying is you don't want him to really have you as his own, because when you're his own, he chastens and disciplines us. He corrects us because he loves us. And when we live in submission to him, we're in the flesh, folks. We're in this flesh. We're going to bump up against this submission issue all the time. And so when we do, he starts correcting us. Here's what the word says in Hebrews 12, 9 through 11. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us. Anybody been corrected by your dad? I'll never forget it. I'll never forget it. My wife was leading the choir. Brother Benson and I were on the platform. When when we all used to sit on the platform. John Michael and Blake were down here next to their Nana. John Michael was giving Nana a fit. And I'm looking over. Nana's got that smile and got that little little, little dimple. And like, you know, everything's cool. But I'm watching this whole thing. And so I catch eye contact with John Michael. And I I said, son, mm mm-mm. And just, hallelujah. God, I love you and I give you praise. And I looked down. I said, son, don't do that. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Third time I looked down, he went. <laughs> His mind's thinking, you're on that platform. I'm down here. You can't do anything, daddy. Said, hallelujah. S- smooth operator, <laughs> calm, cool, collective. His, his eyes got that big. <laughs> Nana was being a wonderful grandmother. you know. Oh, Carl, don't, don't, Carl, don't. That's you know, a Grandma, that's what grandparents are supposed to do. I think my Mimi spanked him one time. Vita said, yeah, because you made her. Oh, Dora said, come on, son. Grabbed him by the hand. He said, where are we going? I said, we're going to Papa's office. Because you remember on Midway, Papa's office was right there. we took him by the hand and said, come on. It's church. We, y'all were all praising the Lord. I said, son, you're about to get a spanking. I took my belt off. I said, Papa had those bookshelves. You remember those bookshelves in his office? I said, son, put your hands on the bookshelf. All this is going on, I have to preach after this. (laughs) I said, son, put your your hands on the bookshelf. I said, I'm going to give you three swats. Hated it. Hated it. Hated it. Son, I love you. You disrespected me, disrespected your grandmother, disrespected the house of God. I'm going to give you some spankings right now. Whack. 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 Come here, son. Uh, he was little. At, well, he was never little. But he was little to me. And, and I took him and I said, Bubba, I love you. I love you. Daddy loves you. It's God's house and I need you to respect what's going on. You knew that I was up there, and you knew Mama was directing the choir. I love you, Bubba. Get in there, and let's go worship God together. Hallelujah, (laughs) hallelujah, hallelujah. It happened just like that. Furthermore, We have had human fathers who corrected us and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the father of spirits and live empowerment? For they indeed for a few days chastened us as it seemed best to them to correct us. But he does it for our profit. Why? Why does he correct us? So that we may be partakers of his holiness. God knows how to correct in such a gentle but firm way with a lot of love that the end result, when we love him and want to submit to him, is we start living a holy life because of his correction. Verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. Hey, John Michael, did you enjoy that? No. It was painful. Nevertheless, afterward, what does it yield? Discipline is an investment. It it brings a yield. It brings a return. Peaceable fruit of righteousness To those who have been what? Trained by it. That means more than once. Consistently. In a very loving way. So I have three questions. Submission to God's correction is focused on the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And God's holiness. When God corrects and disciplines us. Can you point back? to how it profited you and brought forth more peace and more holiness in your life because you recognize how much He loved you through the correction process. One other question. How will God's holiness guide you to make right anything wrong between you and God and between you and others because you need to listen to me. This isn't an issue just between you and God. If you have something wrong between you and others, God wants a peaceable fruit of righteousness and holiness. And if you do not correct what's wrong with others, God will go into corrective mode and he will chasten us until we listen to the message of pain. And that pain is telling us, get right with your family members, get right with your brothers and sisters, get right with people, because I need peace and holiness to be lived out in your life. Can we bow our heads? The altar's open for anyone who would like to come tonight to the altar. Maybe we would call it an altar of submission where we resign everything to Him. We resign everything to Him. We resign all things to Him. We go to our garden of Gethsemane and there the angel shows up And He strengthens us. If you're being corrected by the Lord right now, rejoice and thank Him for loving you and caring for you so much. Because He does it with an expected end.
1: What an inspiring word we heard today from Dr. James Hughes. Hey, if you want to stay connected with the church and the podcast, don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram. Instagram at Calvary Ulist, and Facebook at Calvary Pentecostal Church. Or don't forget. Our so sorry, Jacob. Hold on. <clears throat> Let's do another, another take. This is it. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. We hope you're encouraged and inspired. Not inspired. Goodness gracious! So sorry. Okay, here we go. This is the final one. Promise. So the final one. I probably shouldn't promise, but here we go. Thank you guys so much for listening to the Upfront Podcast. We hope you were encouraged today. Hey, if you want to stay connected with the church and the podcast, don't forget to visit our social media platforms: Facebook and Instagram. Facebook at Calvary Pentecostal Church or Instagram at Calvary Ulist. Or don't forget to visit. Cut. Don't forget to visit. Oh my goodness! So sorry. Don't forget to visit our website at calvaryulis.org. That's calvaryulis.org. Thank you guys so much, and we'll see you Friday on the Upper Room Podcast.